So Hiva, I have some questions for you right out the gate um, that I've prepared specifically for you. And what I like to call the Hero's Gauntlet, which you might've heard because you uh, with other episodes, because you said you listened to a few of my other episodes. Oh yes. Now, did you listen to those just to kind of like feel me out to see like what kind of questions I ask or like what? No, actually, so you started showing up, not obviously like you directly, but I started seeing like posts about the podcast. And then I realized that we have some pretty cool friends in common. And so I was like, okay, I need to figure out like more about this person and why they're showing up on like people you might know or recommended friends or whatever. And so that's actually what got me started. And my very first podcast that I listened to was yours with General Goldfein. And so I was like, yeah, I was pretty much hooked um, because I had had this really incredible opportunity to work with General Goldfein when I was a staffer on the Hill. And so, um, yeah, he's just an awesome person. And I was really excited to hear, you know, the conversation. So yes, that's kind of how I started my stalking of the profile <laughs> and of your podcast, for sure. And I'm so sad now too, because like, I, I still do pop up on people's like, you know, recommended friends, but I'm capped out at 5000 now. So I can't be, I can't be added anymore. But I switched it to where I could be followed, but I can't add a friend at this point unless I delete someone. So it's just like, oh my god. Wow. Well, it's good. I will understand if you have to drop me as a friend. No. Heba, you are not being dropped. You have nothing to worry about with that. That will I never happen. It. I appreciate it. Okay, so you ready to go through the hero's gauntlet instead of three I'm ready. Questions, Let's do it. Let's instead go. Of, instead of three, I have five for you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to just start with these five. All right. First question. When you hear the term military spouse, what comes to mind? Oh, this is a really good question. And I actually maybe inadvertently prepared for it. Um, when I hear military spouse, I hear like loyal, like straight, like loyalty, right? I actually believe that military spouses never really really meet each other. We just like recognize each other. So it's something, and maybe military members feel this way too, but it's something like, oh, you're a military spouse? Oh my gosh, I'm a military spouse. And there's this instant like friendship and recognition of, oh my gosh, like we're going to become, you know, best friend kind of, you know. Right, stepbrothers moment. Did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> Exactly. Like, oh my gosh, you're a military. So I think it's that unique uh, kinship of just shared experience, you know, and knowing right, right out the gate that, hey, this person and I have something in common. Maybe we have nothing else in common, you know, and, but what we have in common is that we're military spouses. So that's what I, what I think of is that loyalty and that friendship. Right. And, you know, especially coming from you, uh, Hebo, because you have an incredible background, right? Like you've worked on Capitol Hill and, I mean, to uproot you and move you around, that's kind of a big deal, you know, for you to do that for your spouse, right? Yeah. And I will tell you, I got really lucky. So I think I may have like lucked out early a little bit. I peaked early as a military spouse. Um, I didn't even become a military spouse until 2018. So at that point, and, and I'm sure, you know, you probably have seen this and maybe we'll talk about it later too, but, but my husband's an Air Force bandsman. So it's a really unique career field and one that, you know, 
airmen come into via an audition. And so it's really different in that case, even though they go to basic training, right? They do all of the other, you know, fulfill all the other requirements of being a military uniformed member. Uh, he had to audition for this opportunity. And so when he, uh, you know, finally decided, he was like, oh, this is something I'm actually interested in. It was kind of a surprise because we hadn't really talked about it before, but he's like, no, this is what I want to do. And he comes from a long family legacy of Air Force bands. And wow. so it was, yeah, it was kind of incredible. And, you know, the the kind of like promise that we made to, you know, one another early on was that we were always going, we were both obviously very career driven and and said, okay, we're always going to try to support each other as best we can. But I I would tell people, you know, I doing my job on Capitol Hill, I was one of a hundred. Well, him doing his job in the United States Air Force, he's one of like 50. Oh, wow. So it's just, it was too good to pass up, you know, and right. uh, just became a really unique opportunity. And I, I'll be honest with you, uh, definitely the pros have outweighed the cons. Even That's though fantastic. the career stuff, yeah, the career stuff has been challenging, but, but like I said, the pros have, have definitely weighed out the, outweighed the cons. That's great to hear. And I, I love, um, you know, the military band. I got to see like, you know, where they practice and train at, um, I want to say it was at bowling air force sure. base. Yeah. They have a huge air force band, uh, you know, center at, at bowling air force base. They also have base honor guard or uh, air force honor guard there. So I got to see all sorts of really cool stuff, especially with the, the air force band and I've seen them perform numerous times and yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty, pretty talented people for sure. Yeah. So it was, yeah, there was really no question. And I actually, like I said, I, I kind of lucked out because our first assignment was in Colorado Springs, Colorado with the air force Academy. Oh, wow. And so I was in DC working for Senator Bozeman of Arkansas, which was my home, which is my home state, not was, but is my home state. It's where I grew up, went to school. Um, so that, you know, that was a great opportunity. And then when we found out that, you know, my, my spouse had won this audition, he was going to be joining the air force. He's going to basic, you know, we're really about to become this like military family. Uh, I actually got very fortunate because Senator Cory Gardner from Colorado had a position in his Colorado Springs office and was like, Hey, you know, if you'll come work for me, I'd love to have wow. you on my team. Oh my yeah, gosh. So I rolled off of one payroll, you know, August 12th and on August 13th, 2018, it was my very first day working for Senator Cory Gardner in Colorado Springs. And it was, it was fantastic. There was no break in my service. There was no break in my healthcare, you know, nothing. So that was really special to me that, you know, those two sitting elected officials found a way for me to continue doing the job that I really loved and wow. enjoyed. And yeah. And then unfortunately, you know, when he wasn't reelected in 2020, uh, we had actually received orders to, to Germany. So then I started my journey of, um, of figuring out how to get employed overseas and, that was quite the experience for sure. Wow. So you went from like absolutely killing it, just amazing career field, you know, doing an amazing job, big things. And, and then you go overseas and you get that, that military spouse perspective where you're essentially starting from scratch. No one knows who you are. Uh, you, you have this reputation as just a spouse along with that military member. And then you are trying to get a job in that climate. And I'm sure that was pretty eye opening for you. So, and we will get to that. We will okay. get to that, but you're, you're killing it so far. You're doing amazing. So we're going to go into the second question. What would you tell a spouse that feels hopeless with his or her, her impact to the air force or their base? Hmm. 
Oh my gosh, you're going to probably make me cry. Um, you know, there's that quote, right, that never underestimate what a select few, right, people can do to change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that ever has kind of thing. I cannot tell you, if I were talking to a military spouse, and we've had, I've had this conversation a lot over this last year, right, in particular, but I would just tell them, you know, if, if not you, if you're really a passionate person about a topic or an issue, and you've gone through something and you don't want someone behind you or that next spouse or that next military family to go through that experience, then why not? Like you could be the problem solver. Mm. You know, maybe you bring forward the, the solution set that someone hasn't thought about before because either they don't have the experience that you have or they don't have the knowledge that you have. So whatever you're going to bring to the table, whatever you're willing to bring to the table, you are absolutely part of that solution uh, if you want to be, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of pressure sometimes on military spouses feeling like they have to be involved in certain ways in the community. That's not necessarily true. Sometimes the best way that you can help is to be a sounding board for others or to just lend your story, right, to an organization or to another advocate who maybe is working on that problem-solving issue. So I, I just, I hope that military spouses really never underestimate what they can do in their local communities, at their local installation, even if they're geographically separated, right? That's a shared, that's a lived experience and a shared experience they need to, to maybe be willing to provide to decision makers. And so, no matter where you are in life, what station you are in life, I don't care about your rank. Um, if you're someone who likes to get after problems or has a story to share, just don't underestimate the impact that that could have on the whole conversation. Wow. I love that. That's beautiful. And I've, and I've been in that <clears throat> position myself too, where, you know, they, you get, you get no and doors closed on you because it's always been that way. And then, you know, a light bulb kind of goes off where you could be that change you you could take this thing and make it happen you know with what you have internally and uh i've done that and uh, i've been through that and so i can definitely relate with the feeling and um there, there's no worse feeling to me than feeling small and hopeless and so you know i i never want to revisit that feeling again and i'm totally on board with you anyone that's feeling that way now needs to really understand that they have more power in their life and in their surroundings than they ever could realize Absolutely. Absolutely. You do. And it's just, you know, I, I love to try to share stories with spouses too about times when a constituent, right, would call the office. And and oftentimes I worked on the veteran and, and military portfolio, right? The So the defense and VA issue portfolios. And um, oftentimes, you know, I spent a lot of time on the phone with veterans and military family members because military members were usually pretty shy about talking to a congressional staffer. Um, but but talking to those veterans and, and often hearing their story, the reason they would get to the point of calling a member of Congress, right, is because everything had gone wrong. Like everything right. was on fire, like just falling around them. And it was out of a matter of desperation, right? Like, I don't know where else to turn. So I called you. Can you help me? And and realizing that just the fact that they they stepped into their own agency, they stepped into their own power to be their own best advocate. It really, it does make a huge difference. And something that I find really special about you and, and this podcast is that 
you taught, you're really vulnerable about how you had to go through that process too, but there's something really empowering when you realize that, oh, I not only can help myself, but I can help my, my brothers and sisters alongside me. I can help other families. And so there it's a, it's a really like life shifting experience, but a really important one and important that, that we share that experience with others too. So they know it's okay. Definitely. It's okay to, yeah. It's okay to step into that vulnerability. Absolutely. And I, I just feel, you know, so happy that, you know, I think you're like a, like a, uh, a spouse, like mentor or advocate of some sort. I think I read online when I was, you know, looking into your background and you definitely strike me as a, a mentor and someone who could help them believe in themselves, you know, just by your passion, you know, I can feel it just talking to you over zoom. Um, and so I think, the impact that you have has probably been tremendous. So I wanted to also take a minute to thank you for everything you've poured into us and, and other spouses out there. No, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I've, um, I've been this last year, I, I was nominated actually by an army spouse, uh, in 2021 and was then selected early, you know, spring of 2022 to be the armed forces insurance air force spouse of the year. And so alongside, you know, with six other branch winners, we have been going to events, having conversations, being invited into, you know, different discussions and different organizational kind of meetings and stuff just to talk about, you know, advocacy and what that means. And it has been such an eye-opening year. And I think probably the greatest reward um, really for me is not just the friendships, but, but seeing how many spouses are out there, just absolutely, they're killing it. Like they're yes. out there advocating for, you know, anti-bullying in, in schools for our military affiliated children. They're out there, you know, fighting for, for housing, right. For a pro affordable and safe housing for our military members and their families, um, food insecurity. I mean, they're just working across this entire, you know, this entire spectrum of military life and the military life cycle. And I honestly it just couldn't be, couldn't, couldn't be prouder to be a part of their team. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun and really, really proud of them. So thanks for that. Definitely. It's, it's really their efforts that have made all of this possible. Absolutely. And, you know, just uh, I know we still have three questions left, but just while we're on this particular part, um, you know, we talked a little bit about when I was at AFSA and I went to the the spouse panel. Right. And I remember going to that just kind of curious as to like what they were going to talk about. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, I didn't really have an expectation going in, but I can tell you I left with my mind freaking blown because I did not expect the spouses to be making a larger impact than I see most airmen serving create. Like I did not expect it to surpass what I've seen, you know, fellow airmen attempt to do. I, I never in a million years thought it would be that huge of things that they were pulling off. And I was completely blown away because you know, there's, there was nothing to gain from it. It was all out of like the kindness of their heart that they were doing these things. You know what I mean? There was no career move. There was no EPR bullet for them. So not only were they doing tremendous things that were changing lives, but they were doing it out the kindness of their heart. And I was just like, holy cow, like, this is crazy. Like, this is, un how are they doing this? Like, this is unbelievable. So, yeah. you know, and uh, that's why I talk with General Goldfein specifically about spouses, because I, of that experience I had, and I knew he was uh, an advocate for that as well. So I made sure to give them that shout out. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's really funny because 
I actually think that that panel was up against, I want to say it was like General Whiting was maybe in the next room talking about space, which, you know, hey, nerd, probably five, six years ago, I would have been in his briefing, right? Like listening to what's going on with space. And yeah, tell me about all the, so um, I definitely appreciate, you know, that you came and it was kind of daunting. You know, they announced like all the panelists and we're walking up there and I'm like doing these breathing exercises. So I don't actually hyperventilate. Right. And, uh, and I look out into the audience and, you know, you can only see, like, you've been on these stages before where you can only see, like, two or three rows in before it's, like, too dark. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, but know, really, it's like, a packed house. It's, like, a ton of people. Well, so first, I had, when we were there the day before, I went and, so I did my own advance, right? I was like, I'm going to go find the room because I want to know where we're going to be. I just want to stick my head in and see what it kind of looks like. Just so, you know, it helps like kind of calm my nerves a little bit. And I used to do that all the time for work anyway. And so I like find this room and I stick my head in and the day before it was like half of its size. So it had grown, it doubled in size by the time we got there. And so I was already super anxious. And then, um, like I said, they do all the announcements where we go sitting up there and they tell us like, Hey, your mics are going to be hot once, you know, Mrs. Brown asks you a question. So be careful. And so I'm already just, you know, trying to, you know, calm down. And next thing I know, I see, you know, General Brown's right there on the front row. Chief Bass is right next to him. Oh you know, General gosh. Thomas is sitting over there. And then now, you know, General Miller from A1 is sitting right there. So I was like, okay, all right. All right. That's quite the front row. <laughs> I was like, um, okay. And, you know, I... It's so important to, you know, like we can speak truth with kindness, but I also was like kind of realizing that moment. I was like, okay, we're going to say things and I'm going to be super kind about it, but we're going to, we're going to have some honesty and some truth here. And, and I really so appreciate, again, I just cannot tell you how much I appreciated how many people showed up to that conversation. I feel like it could have been another hour and, you know, take questions on the whole thing. And then, um, and then when I walked out, believe it or not, I was stopped by so many uniformed members. They were like, we had no idea that's how congressional inquiries happen. We had no idea people were coming to y'all and, and saying, you know, asking for help about things. And it just, it started this, you know, an even, an even, even more, you know, involved conversation about how do people communicate like right. with one another, with the Department of the Air Force, you know, how do we help them solve problems to the left of a mental health crisis, right? All of those issues. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was a wild experience, yeah. wild, wild experience. So I'm so awesome, happy you got awesome to, uh, you know, do that. That's amazing. It was fun. Definitely. Okay. Are you ready for the, what are we on the third question? We're off to a great start, by the way. Good. Um, I hope so. Cause I really, I thought I knew these questions would, would be uh, perfect for you. Okay, so number three, what is your thoughts on the male military spouse and finding their role within the spouse community? Oh, that is a great question um, because we actually had two have two male spouses as a part of our our you know class of 2022, um, both representing the the Navy and the Marine Corps, uh, Vinny and Sergio, and really the importance of male spouses and having their voice right in these conversations and, and having that seat at the table is that it helps us see sometimes the unconscious bias that as a nature 
you know, as a, as a natural effect of some of these programs having been stood up in the 50s and the six, you know, when when we didn't really have, uh, obviously, as many female service members, uh, you know, naturally, we didn't have many male military spouses. And so uh, now their voice is really helpful in making sure that as we stand up, you know, policies, programs and initiatives, that they are gender neutral, right, that they're accessible to all military spouses, regardless of, of their gender or their background or their citizenship, you know, so there are all sorts of issues and challenges that, uh, you know, society has changed. And so, and it, maybe I shouldn't call them issues and challenges, but considerations and things that we just need to think about. And maybe we didn't necessarily have that same need, right, because society looked very different when the all volunteer force began, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And and by the way, I know a male spouse. Um, he's my neighbor, and his name is Seneca Seeley. Uh, okay. and he is my favorite male spouse of all time. Like this guy, you know, he he does CrossFit, he, he's in great shape, he goes to school, he takes care of the kids. Like he he's just an incredible guy. Um, uh, and so he he's one of he's probably one of my best friends now. And so when I you know thought about that question, he's the one that you know was really coming to mind for that question. Yeah. I mean, I could ask you the same, like, you know, you just said, like, hey, this is a rock star spouse who's like, you know, really taking care of, you know, taking care of things and taking care of life and family while their their spouse is serving. And and so yeah, it's it really is incredible what what spouses um, are capable of doing generally, but it's really unbelievable what today's military spouses in particular are doing. And so I, I love that, you know, I love that you have someone next to Joa yeah. that is a great example of that. Absolutely. All right, let's go with the fourth question now. Oh boy. How can I, as an active duty service member, empower my spouse? I love that question. Um, and let me tell you how my active duty service member empowers me as a spouse. Okay. And how I hope how I hope other other service members will uh, consider doing the same. So, so my spouse, when this award was kind of first coming up, and and when we first moved to Germany, and I was having a hard time, you know, getting employed overseas, and. Um, ended up, you know, being a, a contractor, right. And, and freelancing for work, you know, he was my biggest advocate in whatever my choice was going to be. So there was no, Oh, this is how it is. This is how the military works. This is what we chose to do because we volunteered for this assignment. Right. Um, so there was, there was none of that. And there was a whole heck of a lot more for, well, what what can we do? What do you want to do? What can I support you in doing? And and making sure too that that whenever he had the opportunity to be in conversations where or sur take surveys, right? Or whatever discussions about issues that are impacting military families, you know, he had my permission to share my story with senior leaders or with decision makers and say, look, my spouse has, you know, almost a decade's worth of federal experience. She needs 14 more months to get her full federal retirement, but she couldn't get hired even with her military spouse, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so it's, it's as much about, you know, yes, him empowering me to be active or as much of an active advocate as I want to be. 
but it, it's also about him being an advocate for me in the conversations where I'm not invited. Right. Or yeah. In the yeah. That's a good point. Where, it's like, it's like your two pieces the of the, it's like your two halves, you know, fighting two different battles that have the same desired outcome. Absolutely. So it's, it's also about, you know, and, and I, I think there's been a shift in momentum and maybe you can help me, you know, determine if this is like just from my perspective or, or in, in reality, it's actually happening, but it seems it seems like military members and military spouses alike are becoming much more vocal about what they need. You know, yes, they yeah, need. there's been a lot of changes, you know, I've, I've been in 18 years now, so I've seen a lot of changes and, you know, I, I would say social media obviously has made that more common, but I, I thought to me personally, I think the change really doubled, if not tripled was during COVID. And I say that because we were, you know, the majority of us were on lockdown and we had to use the internet as an outlet and to communicate. I mean, that's why my podcast exists, you know, because the culture shifted that dramatically. You wouldn't, I mean, how many active duty podcasts like mine were there before COVID? I would say I didn't know of any. Now I could tell you at least 10, you know, and it's all because yeah. of that lockdown. Uh, to me, I think that changed everything and made vocalizing our opinions online much more normalized yeah i think you're right and so i'm you know it's it's good to hear that that people feel like they have agency right to to speak up for themselves and and look that's not to say that i mean i was just reading the article online about you know the trespasser on andrews i mean that's horrible right that's that's inappropriate like that's too far right if that's right. someone who has a grievance or has an issue or whatever like there is a way there's like a very real and acceptable and respectful right way to have these conversations and say, Hey, look, um, this program is great, but, um, you know, it, it can't, or I can't access it. Think about something like the basic needs allowance, right? There's a lot of conversation about that right now. And, oh, this was, you know, in theory, this was a great concept, great idea, but I can't access it because of A, B, C, D, or E. And so, you know, help me understand what are the other options for me, right? As a military member, military family, um, there are ways to have those conversations and to be a good advocate for yourself without, you know, crossing the line into, you know, being physically aggressive or acting out in certain ways. And so I do think that um, giving military members and families those tools to express those needs and express those concerns in a productive way is is kind of what's next on our list of things to do, you know, to bring the community yeah. alongside us. Definitely. And I'm, I'm all about that. Like my theory, like with the podcasting was, cause a lot of people are like, wow, you, you know, you talk about some subjects sometimes like, is that, is that okay? And, you know, to that, I say, those talks are going to happen no matter what. Um, the benefit that I have and, and any guests that I have is that we can exactly what you said, it's going to be productive. It's going to be like a safe way to talk about it. And it's going to be healing, you know, and it's going to bring positive change to our lives, hopefully, you know, so that's at our core, you know, with what I do, that's the type of messages, even around sensitive subjects that I try to, you know, get out there. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, um, you know, just out of complete honesty here, I have lost a lot of friends uh, to suicide, like so many of them, uh, classmates, 
you know, from high school, you know, just, and it's really, you know, it's a huge challenge and it is hard to talk about. And I was 22 months into being a military spouse when we lost our first military member. I was a brand new key spouse. Uh, it was in 2020. So it was during COVID. There was a lot, like you mentioned, there was a lot going on. And something that really struck me as being very curious was just how little people seem to want to talk about the fact that this tragedy just occurred. I mean, how are we even going to start fixing something or start getting after something if we can't even say it out loud, you know? So I just, you know, that was, that was really, that was really tough. And, And I think, like I mentioned earlier, we had gotten orders to Germany. So we were in the middle of a PCS Oconus and, you know, my spouse left. And so we were apart for the last several months of 2020. And then I get to, you know, I get to Germany and I start applying, you know, for jobs and the multitude of rejections that I got, I can, I can joke about it now, but you know, the, the many rejections that I got for positions that I thought I was pretty well qualified for was so devastating that I myself started to experience some real internal mental health challenges and and struggles. And But one thing that you said that real quick, that really jumps out at me, you said that we can't even find it within ourselves to say it out loud, you know, and when I first started like my podcast, I thought about, you know, I've I've gone through a lot of really tough times. I could send you an article I've never released that kind of outlines everything in my life. Um, but I went through a lot of trauma. I've done military funeral honors. I've lost a lot of friends too. And it does seem to wear you out, especially when you're constantly reminded of of people losing their lives. It it it, it, it tends to really get to you. Um, but I remember I, I started going to therapy and I was like, you know, this person never really gave me an outline or path to as to what to do. So like, why am I feeling better from these sessions? Like, it was really confusing to me. Um, and I thought about it. And and I, it was I was finding the courage to say things out loud. And you know, that that has stuck with me forever into this podcast. Um, even in one of the descriptions of the podcast, I say we find the courage to say to say it out loud. So the fact that you said that exact line, that that's something that goes through my mind like almost daily, you know, when when confronting like my own feelings and thoughts. Yeah. And you know, I I gosh, you know, to to your point too, because I had, you know, sought therapy here and and was lucky enough to get some. And um just this like recognition of, hey, guess what? Sometimes when you say things out loud, it doesn't just help you. Sometimes you say something out loud and maybe someone who didn't, wasn't ready to say it out loud says, oh my gosh, me too, you know? And, and so there's a, yeah, there's definitely a healing power in it for yourself, but there could also be a healing power in it for those around you and those, you know, alongside you. And I think my, you know, my husband knew that I was like really struggling, but you know, I couldn't tell him what I needed. I couldn't tell him what I, what I, you know, like, oh, beyond just like fix this situation for me. Uh, there wasn't like, I, you know, I didn't have enough bandwidth to figure out like, okay, this is what would definitely make me feel better kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew that I was lost and and didn't really know, but knew that 
you know, oh my gosh, if I'm having this kind of trouble, I can't imagine what other spouses might be going through. And we're all kind of stuck over here together. So that's, again, that's kind of when I started really reaching out to other spouses locally and, and having these conversations with them. And I will say too, there are some really amazing and incredible spouses who are so, they're so inspirational and they're so motivating. I mean, they reach out to people they don't even know. (laughs) And I know because they would reach out to me. Like, I can't tell you how many Facebook messages I received after my profile, like went public for the the spouse of the year program and just spouses saying, hi, I'm so-and-so you don't know me, but I just read your profile. And I just wanted to say like, if there's anything I can do to help you, will you please contact me? Or, hi, my name is so-and-so. You don't know me, but I know we have this mutual friend. And they said you could help me. You know, I work for an organization and we're going to Capitol Hill. Like, would you? So I found my purpose there and and found a lot of um, just, again, motivation and drive to say, okay, well, I can't solve all of the world's problems, but I know policy work. Like, I know it like the back of my hand. It's what I can do. And so how do I use that that gift um, and that skill to help other spouses and other families? And so it's just all about perspective. You know, it's all about perspective. And I'm really glad that uh, I'm really glad that you're you're saying things out loud and you're encouraging others to do it too, because it's super important and they never know who they might find that, you know, or who they might inspire to to join them. Definitely. And and also that before you got cut off or before our, our internet went out or whatever, you, you know, the specific situation you mentioned was you were, you, you came from this amazing background with amazing jobs and connections and networking and experience. And that didn't get you too far as a military spouse in a new area. And it was demoralizing. And, you know, being in that headspace of like questioning your own worth, you know, I, I think that's one of the scariest like places to be psychologically. Um, and, you know, I've been there too. And and people still try to put you there, you know, as, as maybe they don't like the way, whatever, they, they don't like something about you and they try to, they try to shut your light out. Um, and they try to put you in that headspace. And, and so it's happened to me once really brutally before. And ever since then, you know, I've, I've had a huge focus on knowing who I am, knowing what I'm worth and, and knowing what my potential is to the point where some negative people out there aren't going to put my light out, you know, but it, it does take practice and it does take work. Yeah, I was actually, you know, I'd love to ask you about that. Um, because obviously in the military, like awards and recognition are a really big thing. And so, uh, when I worked on, on Capitol Hill, that wasn't a thing. So it's like, oh, you know, Hey, my success is your success is our boss's success. And overall, ultimately actually the nation's success, right. If we do this right. So I'm just, I'm curious if, if that's something that in the military as a service member that you have to kind of always be mindful of the fact like, Hey, I need my teammate to be like catastrophically successful so that I can, I too can be catastrophically successful, you know, that it's a team effort. Um, I, I do see that. Yes. Yeah. I, I do see that. And I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I've never seen it in a negative way. You know, every, every time I've seen it, it was always the, a genuine desire for that person to succeed. Does it benefit all of us as well, 
absolutely. Uh, but I've seen some amazing things come out of those award experiences. Um, I mean, we just had uh, an airman get selected as a nurse um, and she's going to be, and she commissioned and she's an officer. And, and a lot of that stemmed from us believing in her, supporting her and encouraging her, even though time after time she was rejected for the program. Um, when on that final last year that we all really pushed for her and encouraged her, she be, she became an airman, uh, like award winner, annual award winner for the wing. And, uh, obviously that played a factor in her becoming a nurse and now she's living her best life, you know, in California as an officer. So, you know, I, there might be some intentions to like help the whole team with pushing someone forward, but nine times out of 10, it's coming from a place of like actually like caring about that person and wanting to see them succeed so that they can experience, you know, the thrill of, of being the center of attention for a little bit for all the incredible things they've done. Yeah. I think that's exactly how this military spouse program is too. Right. And uh, the awesome part being that I met military spouses that aren't obviously air force spouses. They're, you know, spouses of the space force, Marine Corps, Navy, National Guard, Coast Guard, and Army. And so uh, we all came from different backgrounds, but we all have like this just crazy desire to help people. Um, so yeah, I love that. And and getting to be recognized alongside them for, you know, for our efforts and our work and then supporting one another through, you know, the things that we're working on now is really, it's a really special kind of bond. I bet. I bet it is. Okay. Question number five. Okay. What is your proudest moment as an Air Force spouse? Hands down, proudest moment was um, was being recognized by General Brown and Mrs. Brown at our uh, annual town hall and recognition luncheon last May. So May of twenty two. It, you know, they they read off your bio and and you get to have lunch with you know, the, the chief of staff and and his spouse, and you're sitting there and, and for a solid hour, like having, you know, their attention and him asking me questions like, Hey, what do we need to be doing better? What are you working on? What can I do to help you? Um, what do you, what do you enjoy about being a military spouse? And what do you find challenging about being a military spouse? Uh, that to me was like, definitely the most special thing. And, um, also that general Brown took a selfie with me. <laughs> I love that. So, there was That's like amazing. literally like, so hundreds of people standing like ready to take this photo. And he's like, Oh no, I got this. And he's like reaching out his arm. So remind that me also you because it's hilarious and awesome. All at once. I'll make that the cover for your episode. Yeah. Will you please? It's no, absolutely. Hysterical. But no, I, I had one of those surreal moments myself, but I, I think those moments are beautiful because, well, for one, they're unexpected, right? Like you find out you're selected, you're not really quite sure like what that means, but then when it all unfolds, you know, you're, you're pretty much treated like a special guest, right? By people who are like incredibly up there running the world essentially, you know, and you have their undivided attention and they're like, highlighting you as like the special guest and and there's really nothing else like it it's completely surreal you know yeah. um and i i got a taste of that myself um after my time in honor guard uh i was a 12 outstanding airman of the year for global strike 
and I got to go to Global Strike headquarters. I got to hang out with the the command chief and and the four star General Ray, and and have dinner at their house. And I, my my mind was just my head exploded. I'm like, what is this? Is insane. Like, how is this happening? Uh, yeah. But what made it really special for me in particular was that my dad won the same award when he was a tech sergeant, um, and I was like a two year old. And it's a story I heard like my whole life, you know, um, he had like this pamphlet from the night of the event. It was like his proudest moment. Um, so it's a story I always heard of never in a million years thought that that would be me one day. Like it, it seemed like some impossible thing. Um, and then I got to share that night with him. He was my guest. Um, and we were at the dinner, the award ceremony. Um, and you want to talk about a surreal moment. You know, I, I I couldn't believe what was unfolding in front of me that we were I was repeating history on something I never thought would, you know, would be in my life. And it was with my dad. So it was just those, those are really special, you know, points in our life that we'll never forget. Yeah, I oh, I love that so much. So my parents, well, my husband was TDY. So he couldn't come to the luncheon, but my parents and my sister came and um, it was kind of funny because all of a sudden I was wearing like a sleeveless dress. I mean, you'll see this in the photo, but I remember my dad like kind of coming up to me and, and, you know, my dad has been losing his hearing for some time. It's fine. But he kind of comes up to me. He's like whispering in my ear and he goes, Hey, it, that's, that's general Brown, right? He's the chief of staff. I was like, yes, dad. I was like, yes, that's, that's a general Brown. Like act cool, act cool, dad. And then next thing I know, he comes back and he goes, Hey, that's general Raymond, right? Like, isn't he, isn't he the chief at first for space? I was like, yeah, it's called the chief of space operations, dad. Yes. And he's the first one. <laughs> yes. It's like, yes, dad. I was like, please calm down. It's kind of like you're a teenager again, telling your dad to not embarrass you. Like, please stop embarrassing me right now, right? At like the school dance or graduation or whatever the event was as a teenager. But but yeah, and then Mrs. Brown and Mrs. Raymond, you know, came over and said hi to my parents and we all got this photo together. But yes, those sharing those moments with parents and, you know, my dad had to do conscripted military service in Egypt because they're both naturalized citizens. Um, but but I think, you know, him seeing these like larger than life people to most people. And, and again, such a good reminder that like when we get to be in those rooms, when we get to be a part of those conversations, it's really so special and so rare, right? And not to take that for granted, but I was really excited that I got to share that with my parents. They were just like over the, my dad was like really freaking out. <laughs> He was having such a moment. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think he can take any more excitement today. This is like, you're like, you need to go to bed it. early. Yeah. I was like, okay, rest. we're tapped out now. Everyone's going to sleep. No more fun. No more seeing people, you know, that you recognize on TV. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fantastic. So that's definitely my surreal. And I love that you shared that with your dad. That's gosh, yeah. he, he must have been just over the moon. Oh yeah, yeah. We it was pretty emotional night for us, and you know you see these weird coincidences and things where it almost feels like fate in a way, um, just because the coincidences get so bizarre sometimes. And you know, one that happened that night was we were sitting. All of the global strike leadership was at every table, right? Like chiefs and generals and whatever. You know, they all run Eighth Air Force and Global Strike, 
And there was a chief at our table who was next to my dad and they got to talking. And my dad grew up as a poor kid in West Virginia. He ended up being uh, uh, an airman himself and retiring as a, a commander. And so, you know, he has this rags to riches kind of story, but he came from this really rare part of West Virginia that I, I think they changed the town name since then. So like people don't even know like what this town's original name was, but this lady that he sat next to was from that same town. And like, like it was the weirdest feeling. It was like, this is like meant to be like this night. Like it was just, it was so trippy. What are the just, odds of that happening? That's yeah, he picked up on her accent. He was like, you're from West Virginia. Like, he could tell. But then to be from that same, like, town, it was just, like, it was just a crazy coincidence. Okay, so you passed the Hero's Gauntlet. But However, I do have one bonus question for you. Can't wait. I love bonus questions. Okay, so here's the bonus question before we hit your topics. And I'm sorry that these there are so many questions, but I knew okay. you would love these questions. Um. So the bonus question is this. So on on pages like the Airman NCO, Senior NCO, and other type of joke pages, there's tons of memes and people poking fun at the military spouse, you know, at their expense. Maybe they posted something embarrassing, or there's a meme talking about how demanding they might be because their husbands, you know, might be of high rank. Um, you know, what is your thoughts on poking fun at the spouses? Do you think it's it's harmful? Do you think it's funny yourself? Do you think it sets you back or isolates you? You know, what is your overall thoughts on on those jokes? You know, as a young person, I got bullied a lot, so I don't actually take ter- like I don't take too kindly to to jokes like that. Um, that being said, I'm also a huge dork and huge, like I can laugh at myself because I do ridiculous stuff all the time. And sometimes, you know, the best way to just kind of overcome something, overcome anything, right. Is to just like take a good laugh and, and that's, that's fine. Um, but when it comes to the jokes about military spouses in particular, it's super offensive. I mean, Mm. it's really offensive. So ironically enough, I was actually talking to, uh, you know, the the military spouse of the year, 2022, our class, we're super, we're really close. We have kind of a message chain that's always going on. And, and I told him, I said, Hey, y'all, I'm, I'm supposed to be talking with Josh this week. And what would be like, what would be a word that you would use to describe military spouses? Right. And just asking kind of for their thoughts, like, how would you want people to describe us? Um, loyalty came up friendship, um, grit, you know, because we are so adaptable and, and have to be right. We don't get mm-hmm. that choice. Uh, so all of those things, but do you know, the one word that they said, please, please, please. Every single one of them was like, please do not use this word is resilient. They don't want to be known as resilient because it's somehow turned into like this cover for, Oh, you can just take it like, oh, you're a triceratops or you're a dependipotamus or whatever. And, and, and if you get upset about that, or if you don't take kindly to that, then you become like this dependa. Right. And so Mm. it's like, we don't want to be like, no, resilience has nothing to do with like your ability to withstand, you know, bad behavior or, or being talked down to, or being talked down to by others. And, and I think, um, I think what's sad is that pages like, you know, pages like that, and I follow that page, I'm on that page. And yeah, there are some funny things like, 
oh, you know, the memes where they talk about, oh, they told you that like this particular platform would be available by this date and then everything crashes and burns. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to everyone kind of, so there are some funny jokes like that, but <laughs> I really dislike like the broad brush stroke of, oh, all military spouses are like this or like that. Look, just like military members, we're a cross section of society too. So, right. you so, know, yeah, it would be have- demoralizing to, you know, uproot your whole life to go with this military member to do all these amazing things only to be categorized like in a meme that's not even you know accurate you know that, that could, I could definitely see that as hurtful and and to be honest like I see the memes and I but I don't see it in real life so like I, I don't yeah. know where that's come you know where the stuff's coming from like I all the spouses I've ever met and maybe I'm just lucky I don't know but they've all been wonderful people you know I've I have not seen yeah. anything that even remotely look like any of those memes out there. So I don't even think they're accurate. Well, look, I'll be fair. There are some spouses that are really extra. (laughs) Okay. Like, let's get real. It's true. There are some that are, Um, there are some spouses that have really unmanageable and unrealistic expectations of what the military is and what the military can be for them. That is, that's not, that's not to say that they are bad people, but it's just a, a lack of expectation management, you know, mm. between either the the serving member and their spouse, their loved one, right? Or, you know, sometimes even the organization, the military as a whole, and mm. how we communicate, you know, to families and to spouses. And I'll tell you one very real way um, that that I felt that is I went to a job fair on base and I went in a suit because that's what I wore to work every day for you know, almost nine years and went with like five copies of my resume that my husband had printed out for me um, because our printer is a 110 voltage and doesn't work in our house. So anyway, so he had printed out these copies of my resume and I go, and we actually were supposed to go on an anniversary trip and had delayed it because this job fair had come up. I walk in and I'm like, okay, you know, you're hyping yourself up. You're like, I can do this. I have been on phone calls with the secretary of defense. Like I can totally do this. Like I can do a job fair. Haven't been to a job fair in almost a decade, right? Since I'd started working Mm -hmm. and I go and doing all these things, whatever. And I walked out of there with a job offer for the subway in the BX and no one had looked at my resume. I have a master's degree in in counter WMEMD. Like, how, you know, this expectation, like, just like we talked about society has changed and the military has changed, right? Since the onset of the all volunteer force, military spouses have changed too. Like we're in the double digit percentages now of military spouses that have advanced degrees. Most spouses, if you think about it, you know, for, for anyone who ever listens to this, right? You think about it when I was in high school, which was a long time ago, admittedly, Um, But when I was in high school and I was like a rising junior, I actually had the chance to take some concurrent college classes. And I went to college with like 18 hours worth of college credits before I ever even got, you know, stepped foot on the University of Arkansas campus. So most people, for the most part, I'm not saying this is like a blanket thing, but for the most part, people are coming into the military service or into military life with some skills. They're not coming in with nothing and they're Mm. certainly not coming in like, you know, oh, I, you know, 
for the you know most part didn't even finish my didn't finish high school or my GED or what have you, right? So let's like let's you know take a look at the people that we're trying to recruit, right? You know, and and let's extend that assumption of okay, we need these people to be really high, you know, we need these members to be really high achieving, super smart, super technically proficient, right? And and go getters um, when it comes to their professional careers, and let's maybe assume that the people they choose to spend their life with might match that they might also right. be similar in that regard yeah, yeah my so, wife she's she has twice as much school as me she's yeah she's you know on academically on paper she is like destroys my record so i i totally get that yeah i just i think there's this sometimes this lack of recognition that like look military spouses can be like just as ambitious and just as career driven as as the military members themselves and and gosh how do we leverage that as a military bring right. them on to your team right you need them utilize them figure out yeah you need help figuring out childcare you need help figuring out you know employment you need help figuring out you know how to how to manage you know housing or you know the other like slew of issues that that the military is currently facing you know talk to a military spouse more often than not even if they don't have the actual like solution for you they're going to give you a lot of insight into what's going wrong and what's not working well definitely so we can do you think at that job fair they were being kind of prejudiced against like, you know, just assuming because you're the spouse that, you know, you you must not qualify for a lot of these higher advanced, you know, positions? Do you think that that's what you were facing in that particular job fair? You know, I don't want to assume that because I want to assume the best of people. And I appreciated that they that so many people took their time out to, you know, go and set up right their booths and everything. Um, so I can't really fault them for that. But I do think that there is, unfortunately, a misperception in the military writ large that spouses are limited in what they can contribute to the organization, and whether that's personally or professionally. And you see a lot of spouses, Josh, and and look, I'm I'm guilty of this too because I I love to volunteer and I love to spend my time doing that. But you see a lot of spouses volunteering their time and their skills in positions that would otherwise be paid. And that's really, it's hard to watch. Like I said, I myself am guilty of having stepped into those opportunities just because I needed something to do and needed mm -hmm. to feel right. Like I'm a part mm -hmm. of the organization, but, um, but yeah, there are lots of ways that unfortunately military spouses uh, just aren't considered for those opportunities whether it's just a lack of awareness about their background and their skill and their education or what have you. But there's there's a real problem that uh, military spouse unemployment is, is double digits and it has been for decades now and that we still can't uh, seemingly get you know, the support that we need to pass really simple legislative uh, packages like the Military Spouse Hiring Act. And, and I'm sorry, I know I've kind of gone off on a tangent here, but you know, there's a federal hiring program, it's called the Work Opportunity Tax Credit, that when a, a company or an employer hires a veteran or a summer, you know, youth employee for, you know, just a short-term summer job, right? Work at the ice cream shop or you work at wherever uh, for the summer, that employer can claim a tax credit for hiring you. Uh, if you are in one of these, you know, categories, 
Well, we had this legislation called the Military Spouse Hiring Act uh, that was introduced in the last Congress. More than half of the United States Congress had signed on uh, to co-sponsor this legislation, which would expand the work opportunity tax credit to include military spouses. It's a program that's meant to help populations and communities that otherwise face right uh, challenges or barriers to employment and military spouses absolutely meet that you know they meet all of those requirements but uh but we failed to get that passed in the 117th congress and part of me believes that it's because there's just a lack of real education on the fact that employers themselves often see military spouses and military spouse employees as being short-term hires that aren't worth their money or their time. And that's really, it's really disheartening. So I am hopeful that, I mean, I have every belief that if a military spouse were to find their way into an employment position, they're probably going to kick everyone's butt and it wouldn't matter but it's just getting past that initial, like you mm -hmm. said, that initial, oh, you're a military spouse sometimes right. can be difficult. Wow. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, you know, Sorry, that I know was, that was really long winded. No, but... no, no. That, I think uh, that, I mean, you, those were all incredible answers. I asked you six questions and they were really good questions and you had amazing answers. Um, so thank you so much for that. Thanks. Uh, but I want to get to your talking points now. Okay. So we have a few on here. Um, and the first one is military spouses and OAR at Ramstein. Now, does that stand for Operation Allies Refuge? It does. So that does. is the largest non-combatant evacuation operation in U.S. history, which saw to the successful evacuation of 124,334 individuals. So you're telling me in that operation um, of Allies Refuge, you you guys as spouses had a hand in in that operation? A thousand percent, yes. And I would actually even go so far as to say, and you know, I would I'd say this, I said this to General Brown as well as I'd say to anyone, actually. Um, that operation would not have been successful. I'm probably convinced anywhere at any of the global, right, OCONUS locations and probably certainly not in the U.S. either. Uh, that operation wouldn't have been as successful as as successful as we can claim it to have been, right, without the support of military spouses. And I say that because, and this is so super important to me, I was, I was nominated on the, the end of this particular experience. We had actually rolled, you know, through... Um, Afghanistan, and then right into Ukraine here, you know, obviously in, in Germany. And so this community was so critical and so pivotal and foundational to that operation that you had military spouses who were processing donations at the donation intake site. You had military spouses who were uh, supporting Red Cross efforts, the USO. They were on the flight line. They were doing overnights uh, in order to support the caring and feeding of the military members that were also pulling overnights in the pods on the flight line. You had military spouses who were feeding volunteers. I can't tell you how many breakfast burritos we wrapped probably during that entire time, but it was thousands um, of pounds of wow. food. And throughout the longevity of several months, it wasn't just a few days, it was several, several months. 
And so it was, it was so, because, you know, the base was on lockdown, obviously to anyone except for the military members and, and spouses, you know, families. And so all of those military spouses were spending, you know, 12, 14, 16, 18 hour days on base, helping process those, uh, those donations, and then taking care of the military members who were on the front lines of the operation. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, it, it actually extended to the point where there was a group of military spouses who could sew and they were sewing, you know, prayer covers for, for females who needed them and wanted them. And then also, you won't believe this people that would donate right clothes, uh, to the donation site, but maybe they were clothes or blankets that needed to be like lightly, they need to be washed. You know, they had been lightly used. And in Germany, if, if anyone has ever, you know, been stationed here, you will understand that the washers and dryers are like a fraction of the size that they are in the U S oh, wow. it takes like several hours longer to do a load of laundry. So, um, there were spouses that were coming and picking up laundry items and washing them and bringing them back. Like, Holy cow. That is just how involved. So spouses were, were giving their giving money, you know, just financially of themselves, they were giving of their time and they were, you know, for those who couldn't give time or money, um, maybe, you know, directly they were feeding people. And so, or, you know, running to get tape, running to get bags, running to get, you know, this or that. So it's really important to me. We actually had four nominees, uh, myself being one of them uh, here from Ramstein for the military spouse of the year award in 2022. And I was the fortunate one, you know, that, that was selected, you know, at, at the end of the day to represent our installation, but the promise, um, something that I was asked to do and the promise that I made to them and to this community is that uh, whenever I would I would be given that opportunity that I'd make sure that their participation and what they contributed to that, to that effort is known because someday there will be a movie made about these amazing military spouses that were the backbone of this entire Operation Allies Refuge. And I'm just gonna be really excited to watch it. Wow, I, I'm so glad that you shared that because you know, you're right. You, we, when we read the stats, when we read the stories, you know, I didn't see anything in particular with the Air Force spouses or the military spouses, but you know, firsthand, you saw it, you know, as our, as our military members were maybe tied up in the day-to-day -day mission, right? Because that kept going. You know, you had this whole other team of people who you didn't even see coming, which was these military spouses who came in and made the impossible possible. Uh, and you know, I, I want to thank you and, and your whole team from the bottom of my heart for, for being, you know, on the front lines and not even really being like the highlight or, or, or center of attention. You did it out the kindness of your heart. Um, and so I, I want to also thank you and your team, the other nominees and every other spouse at that base who, who did such an amazing thing for, for the base and for the, for the world in a time where they needed the help the most. Yeah, they're really incredible people. And, you know, I can't wait to share this podcast with them because I hope that, you know, it's it's small, but I hope that they feel seen and they feel like their story is being told. Um, it's just really, really important. And and really it was it was just a, a group of people who were like, okay, what needs to be done and what can we do to help facilitate that? And and that's basically, you know, what they did. And there were wing command spouses out there. There were 
several star, you know, I mean, spouses who, you know, could have made choices to be anywhere else that day, but instead they were right alongside everyone else doing what had to be done to support this just unbelievable, you know, humanitarian effort. And so, um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for giving me the chance to talk a little bit about that. It's really important to me. Definitely. And, and you're right. I think that will be a movie one day, 100%. And I can't wait to see it too. Um, okay. So that was uh, an awesome first topic here. And our second one is the AFI Air Force Spouse of the Year. And you, and you put in parentheses and my fellow branch winners. But can I bring up a few of these of the spouses that I'm familiar with that you may know? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the first one is Brie Carroll. I was hoping that when you talked about global strike that we'd talk about Brie. Did you guys meet in Barksdale or, or so in I never I never met her. I I okay. found her podcast when I was brand new and she helped me get started because I had a bunch of questions and I really liked her uh her podcast and it's called uh, Hearts and Stripes. Um and and she just seemed to be so like professional with it and and I just did not know what I was doing and so she she helped me start my own podcast so yeah. shout out to Brie Carroll I did meet her husband super random I know what this guy looks like right because I see her pictures um I'm at AFSA in San Antonio two podcasts it was like a dream come true right it was this past August it was like I did it for 12 hours a day for five days straight. And I was also live streaming the event and, you know, from an airman's perspective, it was really cool, unique opportunity that, you know, I could capture things from my view, from, from, in, you know, your average airman's perspective of the event. And I'm live streaming and I, and I see this guy, he's like, uh, he's, he's like an exec or something to like a general. And I was like, oh my God, dude, I know you, I know you. I was like, you're Bree Carroll's husband. And he's like, he, he was, he was, uh, he was he's so cool. Bit, yeah. He's so cool, but he was busy. He's like, yeah. I got it. I appreciate it, man. I got to go. And I was like, all right, one picture. All right. All right. All right. See you later, man. But, uh, how random that I ran into that guy. Right. And I just seemed like this crazy person who he's never seen before. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's awesome. So I saw him at the AFA conference and it was like finally after the day had kind of, you know, wrapped up. And so he was, you know, got to be in civilian clothes. And that's kind of when I walked out to him, I was like, oh, I just want to introduce myself. He's like, no, I know who you are because of Brie, obviously. But, but yeah, so Brie, um, Brie Carroll was the 2020, 2021 Air Force Spouse of the Year. So she was, you know, my uh, predecessor in this title and in this program. And she is so awesome. She really is like such a good mentor. I remember when, uh, you know, she kind of like started this Facebook group for the three Air Force finalists and was just like, hey, what do y'all need? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Here's, you know, just, just being really supportive. And uh, she and I have had several really lengthy phone conversations um, just running ideas, you know, by her, like, Hey, what did you, what would you think if we kind of did this, or what would you think about the air force? Like, you know, maybe doing this, this way. And the thing I love about Brie is like, she is so clear and direct 
but really like with all the kindness in the world, she'd be like, now Heba, they tried to do that in blah, blah, blah year. And it didn't really work out for these reasons. So she could kind of like help course correct me if I was maybe going off, but, but yeah, Brie is, um, is an awesome air force spouse and, uh, the air force is definitely lucky to, to have her in our ranks. So she's great. Absolutely. And I, we, we played back and forth. She tried to get on mine. I tried to get on hers. Something kept coming up. It will happen one day though, because, you know, she was, uh, instrumental in my own podcast success. So I definitely want to give her that shout out. And I definitely want her to come on one day so we can have an awesome conversation. The second Air Force spouse of the year I want to mention to you is Kristen Christie. Are you familiar with her? Oh, yeah. So Kristen and I, well, so Colorado Springs was my first military community. And um, that was our first assignment with the Academy. And Kristen, you know, I knew that I knew that she was like this rock star Air Force spouse. I knew that she was super bubbly and super friendly. I didn't know much about her story up until that point. Um, but then I ended up spending a lot of, you know, just time getting to know her. And and she asked, she said, Hey, can I share my story with you? And she when she did, um, it obviously was just like, so, you know, it was like so emotionally impactful, but also just, um, really struck up a great, you know, friendship between the two of us. And so, uh, I knew that she had been a part of this program. This was my first time participating. This is my first time being nominated ever, you know, in this program. So I wasn't too familiar with it, but I knew that, that Kristen had been, uh, the 2018, I believe, uh, air force spouse of the year. And so, I gave her a ring and, and she was like, oh my gosh, so excited. Have so much to tell you. Here are all these things that are going to happen, <laughs> you know, and, and, but, but she really welcomed me into my first military community and, um, and was just such a great, just such a good friend, you know? So I really, I love the work that she's doing and, and still trying to support, you know, her and her efforts on a, on a day for survivors of, you know, survivors of, of suicide and, and suicide loss and, and March 4th. And so we'll keep Definitely. pushing ahead with that, but yeah, another fantastic air force spouse for sure. And I finally got to meet her, um, at that AFSA event that I, I went to podcast for, and I, I can honestly say I've never met anyone like her. She definitely has this like really special energy and, um, you know, we've been friends online for a while. And then when I was in civilian clothes, cause I was, I was podcasting. So I had to, to wear, I couldn't be in uniform. Um, and she was in civilian clothes. So we were kind of the only two in civilian clothes in the sea of like uniforms. So I spotted her across the hall. She ran up to me, gave me a huge hug. And then we ended up having this amazing episode, which I'll probably release next, honestly, just cause we're talking about it. Um, yeah. but I got to go and do the interview live in person and, uh, it, it was everything I'd hoped it'd be, you know, spending time with her. She was, she's freaking awesome. I love her. Yeah, she is awesome. And the last Air Force spouse I want to mention to you that I'm very familiar with. I'm not sure if she was just nominated. I think she might've just been nominated. Um, but we were both at Whiteman Air Force Base at this time. And that is Amber Conroy. Are you familiar with her? Yes. You're naming all my favorite fun people. Um, <laughs> Oh man, Amber. Yeah. Amber is amazing. And so here's kind of the really interesting thing about, about Amber, right. And, and maybe she and I probably haven't even had this conversation before, but 
meeting Amber was coming full circle for me because when I was on the Hill, we were working on some of these like policies and programs and benefits, right, for the veteran community and the veteran population. But I never got to see what that looks like in implementation. You know what I mean? I never got to see the other side of it where, oh, a veteran goes and, you know, they're going to go get their care in the community or they're going to go get their a specialty, you know, care appointment and they're really well taken care of. I never got to see that as a staffer. You know, I just got to see the black and white, you know, language of, okay, we're, we're going to set this up and we're going to pass this. Okay, great. But you never get to see it on the other end. And, and the thing that's special about Amber is that she was the person who would, you know, make sure, ensure, right, that veterans were had access to all of those great benefits and programs and, and policies and initiatives, right? And so that is something that I just find so heartening. There are so many, actually, you know, Cindy Miley, the, the 2022 National Guard Spouse of the Year, she's an AGR spouse uh, up in New York. And and same thing. She's a, you know, um, a veteran, a, a county veteran service officer. And so same kind of, you know, job where they are like fighting for veterans to get the care and the access and, and access to the benefits that they've earned. And so in my mind, that's just like such a special way of giving back to our community too, that they're active, you know, military spouses, but here they are supporting the veteran population. And so, um, yeah, Amber is just, oh my gosh, she's absolutely incredible. I love seeing all of her updates on, you know, her winning like back pay for a veteran that's like six figures, you know, it's yeah. incredible what she does. Yeah. When I first, I never met her in person. So I'm really upset about that. But when I was running the base honor guard, she reached out to me and was like, how can I help? How can I highlight your team? I'm like, who, who is this? Like, I had not seen someone, just a spouse out of nowhere, hit me up and, and want to do and provide all these things. I was like, what? is this real? Like, <laughs> yeah, and she was real. She was real. Um, and she's super talented. I mean, I know she got to decorate the white house. She worked for Barry law. Like she's uh, clearly super, super talented. But one thing that I, I do have to give her a shout out for is she's one of the few people. Cause you know, in my role, in my position, I, I get joy and uh, my form of gratitude is highlighting other people, right. Highlighting their story and what makes them unique them become a voice. That's my form of gratitude. Um, so it's always about that other person, but Amber, you know, unbeknownst to me, and and when I was really down in the dumps at this point too, when I first got to Eglin, she set up like an award for me through Barry Law as a surprise, coordinated it with my wife, and it was like the most incredibly perfect. It was like a trailer on me, like even had like a trailer guy like narrating it, like. I was so freaking blown away. I have never had anyone do something like that for me ever, yet alone, you know, basically a stranger who's never even met me in person. But Amber went out of her way to do that. Uh, and, it, and it definitely lifted my spirits, you know, when I needed it the most. So I did, I did want to give her a shout out too. That does not surprise me, like in the least. I, <laughs> That does not surprise me. And you know what? I've never met Amber in person either. I've met Bree. I've met obviously Kristen. Um, but no, I haven't had the chance to meet Amber yet. So Amber, this is me shaming you for not coming out to see me in Europe yet. <laughs> Amber, take that trip. Take the trip there to you Europe. Go. You and Hebo are going to change the world. Okay. So I did most of the talking on your topic, and I'm so sorry. But your topic was Air Force Spouse of the Year. Did we hit the mark? Or is there something else you wanted to say about it? Maybe how that experience has changed your life. 
Yeah, I will just say, uh, you know, look, I, I came into it kind of blind. I, I definitely did not know what I was getting myself into, but the the opportunity and the opportunity to participate in this program has been just so fundamentally, like, again, one of those life-shifting moments where you, you know, you're walking into a room and, and we had been named to the branch winners at this point, but we're walking into town hall and it's a week long kind of almost, you know, conference and a bunch of different speakers and just getting to know you and getting to know each other. And, uh, you know, here I am and there's six other spouses. It was the first year that the air, the space force, excuse me, had, you know, um, was, was being recognized as their own separate service, which was fantastic. And Sarah is awesome. And, and she works a lot on, you know, uh, not just voting issues, but also understanding how foreign policy, right, impacts ultimately military families and military members at home. And so it was really, it was really life-changing in that way. I think I mentioned earlier, I would have never met so many of the spouses from other services if it hadn't have been for this program. And the really incredible part is, you know, you walk into this room and it can be a little bit overwhelming because, it's weird. People recognize you, but you may not necessarily know everyone. And I didn't know everyone in that community. So it trust was me, lot- I know what that's like. <laughs> it's very unsettling. Um, it wasn't to me. I, I'll tell you a benefit of it. Um, you know, with, with someone like you, who you, you're known because you, you've been very vocal about it. You've, you've spoken to large audiences and you've made things known. And pe- But the ben- here's where I'll tell you the benefit is is they know what you're all about, like at your core, like what you're passionate about. So like a lot of those barriers or or guesswork is eliminated. They already know you. They're familiar with you. They know what what you're all about. And it, and it really speeds things up, especially when you're trying to get things done. That's why I appreciate it. Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. Building that rapport and those relationships is really important. And and this was a great, you know, opportunity to do that. And so, you know, you walk in and there's like 200 military spouses and all of these military spouses have been recognized at their local installations and across their services for, you know, being great volunteers or being great advocates. And something that I try to tell people, especially when I'm talking to non-military affiliated audiences or just in general, even maybe senior leaders, is that usually by the time someone becomes an advocate, it's because they themselves have experienced something really personal or they someone really personal to them has experienced a challenge or an issue. And so they have now taken it, by the time they become an advocate and put that armor on, you know, and, and decide to get in the ring, um, there's a lot of like sometimes emotion behind that, right? So you're talking about people who are really committed, like their life depends on it, like their family depends on it, because in many instances and cases, it absolutely does. And there is really nothing that a group like that cannot do when we're working together. So in my mind, the, you know, the, the AFI, the Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year program is like almost that incubator for those spouses. And now I have access to, and I'm connected to this worldwide network of military spouses. You know, I can call Monica Bassett, the, the army spouse of the year and be like, um, so 
help me understand this whole basic needs allowance thing just came out. Can you help me understand what that means? Like why, you know, these articles are reporting that it's going to be inaccessible to less than 1%, you know, or it's accessible only to less than 1% of the military population. Why? Like, and she will walk me through, okay, well, it's this wording, it's this phrasing, it's how this looks. Or, you know, Abby McCormick, right? She's the Coast Guard spouse of the year, and she's working on this anti-bullying initiative, right, for, for military children. How, you know, what is the Purple School Program? Is it working? You know, are these are these programs actually facilitating what they need to be facilitating? Or do we need to kind of pull back and say, okay, where do we need to adjust, right, and modify things? Uh, Vinny, Vinny Toth, he's my fellow Okonis spouse in Japan, uh, representing the Marine Corps. Same thing, right? He is all about diversity, equity, and inclusion and access within organizations. So how are we as organizations ensuring that military spouses are included, they feel like they're being heard, uh, diverse, you know, people from diverse backgrounds and populations, again, are included and feel like they're being heard. So there's so much that I learned from these spouses. And uh, I can really thank the the program for for connecting us, for being the, the glue that kind of brought all of us together. Wow. No, that's amazing. I love that that program exists because the 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 impact that it has is just phenomenal. You know, just giving people like you the network and the connections needed to put your ideas to paper and then actually see it through. It's just, it's inspiring. Um, and, and one thing that all y'all have in common that some people struggle with, and I know I did for many years is you guys have a tremendous amount of purpose behind everything you're doing. And to me, reflecting on my 18 years, you know, in purpose is that is the most powerful motivator and tool that you, that one could ever have that that's when the magic happens and the ideas in your brain start actually affecting and changing the world around you yeah i think you know i like i said i i really struggled you know professionally to find my purpose and then kind of forgot that I got to choose my personal purpose too. Like I can choose, right? I, I have choices to do things. And um, once I came to the realization that my background could still be of use, even though I wasn't working for, you know, a member of the Senate any longer, I could still be helpful in these conversations and to other military families. Um, I, I, I basically committed to that. And, and that's what I committed to in my profile. You know, if you go to the, the msoy.afi.org website and, and you read through our profiles, you know, the last question is, well, what would you do with this title? You know, if you're awarded the title and, and mine was, I'm going to amplify the voices of what all of these other advocates are doing. And so I, I feel like that's, that's become my purpose is helping military spouses and military families be their own best advocate and, and they can do it They're They've been doing it. And so helping them use their voice, um, in ways to effectuate change is is absolutely my personal purpose. That's amazing. That's beautiful. And I don't know what, where this idea came from, like just with us talking now, but like, I kind of started to realize that I'm, I'm familiar with you, obviously, and I'm in the Air Force and, and you're uh, in the Air Force as well, to an extent. So, you know, that's why we're familiar with each other. But like all these other people you're mentioning, you know, I don't really have a face to them. Um, and I, again, I don't know where this idea came from, but if there was a way that you could get the information from them to me on 
the most impactful book that they could ever recommend because people love that. People love the the reading list. And if we could do a military spouse of the year reading list where I can show each one of the services, a picture of each one of you and the book you recommend on one picture, I feel like that would just skyrocket the awareness of, of this program and this award. Oh, I would absolutely be glad to. I'll be like, look, I've got homework and it's coming from Josh. So FYI, no, please, I'd be glad please to Please give me that. that. I would love to piece that together. Um, yeah. All I need is what book, you know, they recommend and a picture of them and, and what service they represent. And I will piece the whole thing together. And uh, I know that would be so well received. People would love that. And it would be everywhere, LinkedIn, everywhere. Oh yeah, that would be all. Oh my gosh. I think they would love that. So no, I'm definitely glad to do that. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. I can't wait to make it. I'm so excited. Okay. It's going to be fun. Yes. All right. So, and I do it by the way, I do it every year for, for veteran authors only. And I'll pick about nine cool. to 10 books, highlighting those books that I read throughout the year that are all veteran authors. And people love that. I mean, it is, I mean, unique, you know, it's very unique approach and, uh, it's a way to raise awareness for sure. So yeah, awesome. thanks for that opportunity. Well, hell yeah. Okay. So here's another topic that you brought. We got two left. So the second to yeah. last one is what military spouses are advocating for and how the military community can help them. Yeah, I think I probably touched on this a little bit earlier um, when you asked me the awesome question about what the active duty members can do to support military spouses in these efforts. And, and again, I think that that same answer really applies, which is help advocate for us in, in conversations and situations that you're invited to, right, or where you have the means. Um and I, I probably was also thinking that I wanted to share the great work that the other branch winners are doing. And so I, I've shared, you know, a, a lot of that. Sarah working a lot on the overseas voting, obviously access to voting, which is such a huge topic right now, given some of the really concerning like news reports that state legislatures are looking at limiting or restricting overseas ballots. Um as you know, under the guise of voter security. And let me just tell you, look, that would disproportionately impact military families hands down. Requiring a CAC to submit a ballot from overseas would impact military spouses and, and spouses that are trailing other federal employees, right, all over the world. It would impact us disproportionately. And so, um, really helping our community understand things like that. That's what military spouses are advocating for. They're advocating for better quality of life programs and they're advocating for fixes, you know, to, to quality of life programs, policies and initiatives that exist, whether it's EFMP, food insecurity, again, health access to healthcare and uh, some of those changes and restrictions that, you know, have, have come about in recent years, housing, affordable and safe housing. So, there's really, you know, no shortage of, of things that military spouses advocate on. And all that I'll ask of our military community is to hear them out. Absolutely. Them out. Would, would you say you and all these other winners, uh, other spouse winners are all one thing you ha all have in common is you're all advocating for something. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, I would say for the most part, yes. Like all of us have a, um, a an advocacy almost platform that really brought us 
uh, either you know into the program or that has garnered us recognition. For some of us, that's changed. I think I mentioned Abby um, McCormick with the Coast Guard. She'd started out really as a housing advocate and still works with you know a housing advocacy organization, but um, now her advocacy has has really kind of shifted into the anti-bullying strategies and working on a really, I think, incredible piece of legislation that could help strengthen those programs for our military children. So um, yeah, for the most part, we all kind of started somewhere. I probably started in military spouse employment and then have shifted into like this larger, broader civic engagement platform. So let's add that to your homework then. Sure. I want to include that, not just the book. So my approach to all this that I find the most effective is when entertainment meets purpose. Right. I don't like to have one without the other. You know, it could be full entertaining or it could be full purpose. But if I could combine the two, that's typically where it really hits the mark. So if we could show showcase each one of these winners, what their book is, that's the entertainment piece. But then a quote below, I advocate for boom, we can add also a little bit about them. So maybe someone else out there sees, oh, you know, she went for the army and what she's advocating for is exactly what I have questions on. And that would, that might, you know, create an opportunity for them to be, you know, utilized to answer some questions. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. I'd be more than glad to add that to our list of, of homework for sure. Perfect. Okay. Here's the last topic here. And I don't know, I don't know anything about this. So I'm really, I'm really excited to, to learn about this from you, but it says what's next. And it's an acronym called flag, which is family life action group. And I was hoping you could dive into that and tell us what flag is all about. Okay. Well, one, I have to say, thanks for giving me so much of your time. I really do appreciate this more than, you know, um, but I'm really, really excited to talk about the Department of the Air Force, so DAF FLAG, our Family Life Action Group. This is the culmination, this particular effort is like the culmination of what I've been working on and I've been brought into, you know, uh, this this group by some amazing military members. I'm the only spouse on the, as a co-founder. And uh, this effort is basically to bridge that gap between military families, to include military spouses, military members, and the Department of the Air Force. And what I mean by that is it's a communication tool. You know, it's a tool, it's a, there's the, the policy aspect of it where instead of learning about challenges or issues that military members and families are experiencing through Facebook groups, or Facebook pages, we're learning about them through this controlled communication tool that allows local community action teams and community action boards to take action on those issues and help families and military members address them there on the ground, right? Local installation level. And when they can't be addressed there at the installation, then they get elevated, right, for appropriate MAGCOM or headquarters level consideration. And I'll tell you, you know, we, we, we're kind of borrowing from the Department of the Army here. And the Department of the Army has had a similar kind of program called the Army Family Action Plan since 1983. And through the Army Family Action Plan, they have been able to address hundreds, hundreds of either modifications, changes, and even bring on new policy uh, that has served the quality life interests of, you know, their, their Army 
soldiers and their army families. And so the Department of the Air Force doesn't have anything like that until now. And that's what the, the Family Life Action Group or the flag is going to be. We've just onboarded like our first handful of volunteers. They're going to be focused on childcare, housing, and uh, spouse employment. And so I'm really excited at, at how we are going to be able to kind of turn this whole thing on its head and instead of uh, a military spouse or a military member having to go to their congressional delegation to ask for help with something, this could be the opportunity to say, okay, you know, is this a resource issue? Is this a policy, a gap in policy or a gap in a program? Or why is this program not fulfilling its actual, you know, original intent? And what is it that we can do to change it so that it does and that it supports as many, you know, families and members as, as possible? And so I'm really excited about um, the DAF flag. I'm, I'm excited about what it's going to mean for the department. I'm excited about what it's going to mean for our families. And I really, really hope that you know, families will, will come to see it for the opportunity that it is. Believe it or not, actually, Mrs. Brown is kind of the reason too, that some of this really got going. She, when she started her five and thrive initiative, there was like this email, right? Where they were like, Oh, reach out to us. You know, if you have thoughts or suggestions on the thrive guide and all this stuff, but I think what they didn't, what, what they weren't, none of us were really expecting is that her team would start receiving proposals from military members, from spouses on like, oh, hey, here's a best practice that yeah. we figured out in our community on childcare. <clears throat> and we've been able to bring the wait list down from like, you know, 150 people to 48 in the span of like six months, because, you know, we worked with our local, you know, installation to do this and this and this, but with like, how does that get communicated out? How does that get shared? And so there's really a huge opportunity here to like, you know, leverage again, some of the best practices that our communities are coming up with that families themselves are, you know, finding ways to make some of these quality of life um, decisions right on, on their own and things that are working, you know, how do we, how do we help leverage and resource that? So all commanders or all, you know, leaders have a sense of, oh my gosh, did you know that at Luke they're doing this? Oh, well it wouldn't work at Langley, but maybe it'll work at Tinker, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. So giving everyone this like repository too of, okay, how do we really get after some of these things? And I, I think you, you know, this I mean, being in public health, you understand this better than anyone probably, we're going to rely on our communities for a lot and communities want to help, but we need to be able to tell them how we need help and what we need help with. And so this is just, uh, I'm really excited that this is going to be a, a great chance for us to, to work more collaborative collaboratively with not just with communities, but across installations, even within the service. Wow. Is, it, is this being utilized at all at any base right now? It hasn't been rolled out to any installations yet. We're still working with like headquarters, cat and cab teams. Um, we're actually also kind of on the market for a tech solution on uh, a platform to provide us like some of the issue management software systems that we're going to need uh, to roll out. So if you know of anyone, please let them know. We would be interested. Yeah, his in name is tech or Master Sergeant Jeremy Rutherford at Whiteman Air Force Base because 
he, he's the one that put our honor guard on the map because he developed the software that every base honor guard uses now for tracking. <laughs> like, oh, I he, love it. He is a straight up genius. The most one he I tell him he's the most talented airman I've ever met, and I truly mean that. So you know maybe he could help, and he has students that that do uh, that have to do freelance work as part of their like school their education because he's in the uh, reserve so on the civilian side he's a professor um and yeah maybe he can get one of them students you know a group of them students to make this thing happen for free you know because that's part that of would life. be awesome so that yeah I'll, awesome. I'll 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 send you after this you know his uh info and i'll give him a heads up that that you might reach out to him and and kind of ask him some questions about what you guys have in mind Yes. And I'll say thank you in advance for even talking to us. I really appreciate it. But I mean, we have some, gosh, we have some wicked smart, you know, air airmen and, and big a little, all the A's. Um, but we just have some really, really wicked smart military members that are helping on this and fellow co-founders. And I just really appreciate them so much. And this is, you know, in my mind, this is the kind of legacy thing that someday when I'm like long gone and no longer a military spouse in like 18 years from now, um, uh, it'll be, it'll be something that, that leaders and families will look to and say, oh, this was just such a great, you know, such a great resource or, or opportunity, right. To voice concerns and, and challenges, but also all the great things that are happening in communities all across the globe. So really excited for it. Thanks yeah, for letting I, me know a little bit about it. Yeah, of course. And, um, I, I do have a, a recommendation for like a starting point, um, would be your true north bases. I don't know if you've heard of true north. And I, yeah. I don't know if I don't believe it's at every base. I know when it rolled out, it, it was targeted at more of the isolated bases that, you know, not like Luke Air Force Base, but more like Whiteman Air Force Base that's, you know, far, much farther away from cities, right? Um, and with these true north programs come committees to help prevent suicide and drug abuse and alcohol abuse. And those committees meet like every week. And so I could easily see the family life action group being a part of those committees that are already taking place. You know, there's already th that platform there. It might be yeah. able to just fit into that. So uh, just an idea for a starting point. I think it would uh, sure. be very, very well received in in, in that world. Well, and yeah, we're working really closely too with the Fortifying the Forest Initiative and Chief Bass and Chief Toberman, because I mean, like you said, absolutely, you know, we know that that a handful, right, of these challenges or these experiences can unfortunately really be exacerbated. Um, some of the mental health issues can be exacerbated by sometimes underlying quality of life ones, right? And when your housing is kind of all out of whack, when you're having financial, you know, problems or, or issues, um, those can turn into maybe prevent preventable, you know, mm -hmm. mil, uh, mental health ones. And so we are working really, really closely with the with the fit team, you know, to see kind of again where we can help support one another and one another's efforts, and uh, make sure that you know resources are available for those who who do need that mental health intervention when they need it. Definitely. I love that. Um, so we're going to, we're going to come to a close here. We've, sure. we had an amazing conversation. Uh, Heba, you are, first of all, you're a natural communicator clearly um, because, you know, I talk to people all the time and I can tell you, you are, you are gifted at communicating like your intent and, and kind of tying in your emotions and your purpose with that. And so I, I am not surprised at all 
that you know you were selected to win that award and be the voice of so many that don't have one um and so i i just wanted to leave you with uh just my thoughts on and on you and what you're doing um that you know my wife as my spouse pretty much saved my life that, that's a story in it in it of itself right but my wife basically saved my life um helped me turn my life around helped me believe in myself and honest to god i w i don't even know if i'd be alive today if it wasn't for her her love and her support that helped shape me into the man the airman the father now that i am today and so our spouses are are such uh an integral and important and amazing part of everything that we do. And I think you are such a amazing example of what a spouse can do. And, and I just wanted to thank you for being you, uh, for being that voice and for helping us from the bottom of your heart. And, and I just can't thank you enough for that. No, thanks. Thanks, Josh. That, that really does mean a lot to me. I, it's been, you know, it's, it has been, and it's going to really be like the actual honor of my life to, to have been named an air force spouse of the year. And, you know, we're going to keep working at it. And just all that I'll ask is, you know, and I, I know you're going to do a great job of, of this, but just making sure that people know that whatever, you know, whatever we have to do, like you don't ever have to go at it alone. You know, we're going to do it together and it's all figure outable. It really is. That's a real word in my mind. Um, you know, it, it may be messy. It's going to take time. Sometimes it might not look exactly the way, you know, we all envision that it will, but we will get there. We will get there and, and we can do that together. So I just, I hope that, you know, as you continue on in your service and that your family knows that there are a lot of people behind you and, and you may not know them and you may not know all of them by name, but uh, we have a real interest in seeing you succeed because your success is the success of not just our own, you know, families, but really the success of our military overall and the success of our country. And, and we feel that deep sense of patriotism too. So just thanks for what you do. Thanks for elevating the voices of all of our military members and our families. Um, it, it really means a lot. And, and thanks to all of your, you know, past and future guests too, for speaking up and using their voice to, to support others and to support our future. It, it wouldn't happen without them. So uh, we really will owe all of this to them in the end. Wow, well said, Hiva. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. And if you're still listening, thank you for listening to the hero's journey of Hiva Abdelal. And we're out.